Our service doesn't end after we leave the military. The mission changes, but we still find the need to be of service. What's yours? Listen in as we talk to our guests about their military careers and life after the uniform in their second service. This podcast is sponsored by Fortis et Fidelis, a brand dedicated to honoring the brave and faithful. Make sure to check out fortis-fidelis.com and support the podcast by subscribing to the show and leaving us a five-star review on all the podcast platforms. Now, let's get to the show. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Brave and Faithful Podcast. I'm your host, Raiden Dionisio. Today, I'm joined by another Army veteran and another podcaster. He's the podcaster for the Morning Formation Podcast. KP, what's going on, brother? Hey, Raiden, I really appreciate you having me on your show, man. Uh, Just the same old, same old, dealing with allergies and uh, everything that comes with the beautiful (laughs) springtime pollination. (laughs) <laughs> allergies and power outages internet yes going out <laughs> yes um so kp man um you know before we talk about the podcast can you just share with our audience a little bit about your military background you know your time in the army yeah man um so i was uh i grew up an army brat my dad was drafted in 71 uh towards the end of vietnam the vietnam war and uh so i grew up was born in uh, Schofield Barracks or just off of Schofield Barracks in Wahiwa, Hawaii. So lived that till I was 13 on the island of Oahu. And then uh, my dad retired out of the military and then he moved back to his home state of Ohio. So I got a little taste of the Midwest, a little taste of the island life growing up. Uh, right after graduation, I joined the Army National Guard, enlisted, went to basic training three days after uh, I got my diploma. Uh, then I had plans to go to a local college there in Ohio. Uh, called Wright State University, was enlisted for about four years in the National Guard. And then I decided that I would get commissioned as an officer. So it was either either OCS or it was going to be the SMP ROTC route. And I decided to go the SMP route, which stands for Simultaneous Membership Program. It's actually a really, really great program if you're going to college and you're kind of concurrently going to the National or drilling at the National Guard enlisted as well. I was able to drill and then also join the ROTC program. And then the day I got my bachelor's degree from Wright State, I commissioned into active duty army, got stationed back at Schofield Barracks in Hawaii, uh, 30 days after getting there as a butter bar, second Lieutenant, they gave me my orders to go to Iraq. And this was in 2004. So, uh, not even a year out of college, man, I was, uh, already finding myself as a platoon leader, uh, in, in Iraq at the time. And I ended up with a transportation platoon as my first platoon that I've ever had before, uh, you know, as a commissioned officer anyways. I was very fortunate that I had a little bit of enlisted time under my belt uh, to help me get acclimated to, I guess, being in combat. Yeah. Um, and then uh, did my one, my one year deployment in Mosul, Iraq as a platoon leader and uh, went back to Hawaii and served as an executive officer for my company as a first lieutenant. And got promoted to captain, served as a staff officer, uh, as the S3 training officer in the battalion. So helped, you know, five, six other companies uh, with their training and deployment training as well. And that was all based off of the experience that I received when I was young 
uh, second lieutenant in Iraq. They they saw that I had that early experience, so they wanted to use it, and they put me in the S3 training section. And to end of 2007 was when I resigned my commission and uh, got out of the army altogether. All so, so you were you were you know, born in born in Hawaii, and then you got stationed where you were born at like how 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 was that like so i i'm kind of a i i kind of uh, i'm a conspiracy kind of guy with that because <laughs> it was it was kind of strange how a lot of the the soldiers in my company were from the islands mm-hmm. or they were from the south pacific somewhere like i had a lot of local people that were from so i almost felt like the army was purposely putting people back in hawaii because uh, you know it, Sometimes when folks are from landlocked areas and then they go out into the middle of the ocean, they tend to get what the, what's called rock fever or island fever. And they want to leave. They don't want to be there anymore because they feel like they're, they're stuck, you know? And so I just thought it was real strange that I had a lot of like Samoans, a lot of Micronesians, uh, folks from Guam. I had, you know, folks that were from the islands in my, um, in my company and, and all around base. Uh, but that's my own, uh, I guess, conspiracy <laughs> as far as them doing that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got, I got lucky, man. I got, I got really fortunate. But at the same time, like I said, as soon as I landed in Honolulu, I, I got my orders to deploy. So, kind of a good and bad thing. Yeah. So, so you did, uh, you did your, uh, your enlistment. You got out. Did you stay in Hawaii or did you move uh, after you transitioned out of the military? So I actually left. Um, I was on the fence. So I almost went, I almost went to join the Honolulu police department, but while I was, while I got back uh, from my deployment and I was in garrison at the time, which means, you know, I was just there on base on Island. I decided to get my master's degree. Um, So I started working on my graduate's degree. Uh, That took me about a year and a half to do. Um, every time the civil service test would come up for Honolulu police department, like I was either taking classes or doing something. So I kind of just ditched that whole idea. And plus the pay starting out wasn't really what I wanted. So I decided to go through a headhunter, uh, who helps senior NCOs and commissioned officers find jobs. Basically what they do is there's several out there. What they do is they, they get in contact with large companies looking to hire military veterans. And they set up, they'll set up like a weekend event where like one to two days will be spent helping the veteran with the resume and helping the veteran with their overall interviewing. And so the last day that you're there, you will actually sit across the table from recruiters and you'll, and you'll, um, I guess, interview for jobs, you know, for, for, for different positions. So they kind of talk to you about what, what the needs, what you're looking for. And, and then, so those, that's how they kind of link you up with who you're going to be talking to. And so for me, that's the route that I went. And after that weekend that I I spent doing that, I had maybe four, four opportunities on the table, but by the time it was all said and done, man, like I only had one opportunity and it was in the Midwest working in Indianapolis for uh, Rolls Royce which is, uh, they do the cars, but then the specific area that I would work in would, would be aeronautics. Okay. So I found myself in, in Indianapolis right after I got out of the military and started working as a departmental supervisor for the accessory gears uh, department for uh, the rotary wing 
helicopters. So for Bell helicopter and things like that. So for, for, um, you mentioned like headhunters, right? Like people would help you out with, uh, getting hired by companies. Was that something that you, that was free and available or did you have to pay for that? Because I mean, there's nowadays there's plenty of organizations, right? Like hire, there's higher military, for example, higher heroes that kind of help you with, with getting that next uh, job, so to say. No, that's a great question, actually, because it, there was back then in 2007, there was both. So you had some places that would make you sign an exclusive agreement that you would only work with them. And then you had some places that required you to buy like a book and give them a fee. And then you have you had other uh, outfits that would just basically take you in. And it was kind of like a gentleman's agreement where, OK, you're working with us for this amount of time. Don't work with any other headhunters. Um, because, you know, if they were going to spend all the time and energy right. on you, they wanted to be the ones that were going to place you somewhere. And actually, I learned a lot, man. Um, I went to two of those events uh, over the span of like my entire career. I've gone to two of those events. The great thing about those things, though, is you can always go back. So you don't have to be a service member transitioning out of the military. You're always able to go back. And so like down the road, I went to another one. I was completely out of the military and, but because I was a veteran, um, they, they agreed to work with me and help me find another job placement. Okay. So, uh, it is two, two different companies and it was kind of interesting to, to, to actually sit across from someone, especially during the training itself. And man, they were, they were brutal with me. Like they, when I went in there, uh, when we were doing the training portion and we were talking about, um, you know, interviewing, they were asking me some really tough questions, questions that I hadn't really considered for myself. And my, my answers were not strong enough. And I remember sitting across from a retired Sergeant major. And he just told me straight up. He goes, look, man, he goes, your grades in college were not stellar. You, you had a 3.0, uh, you did not go to an Academy. Uh, your undergrad is in criminal justice and you were basically combat or you were service support logistics in the military. So he's like, you know, you've got people here who are helicopter pilots. You've got people here who had very technical jobs. You have people here who are uh, academy graduates. That's your competition. He goes, so when you describe yourself, you, when these companies ask you, like, why, why should we pick you? Yeah. You need to describe yourself for who you are, which who you are is you're a scrapper. You're a fighter. Uh, your entire life, you were not born with a silver spoon in your mouth, everything that you have, you earned on your own. And I thought, wow, man, that really describes who I am. Because in reality, you know, I, I had to join the National Guard, I had to join the military in order to go to college. Um, and then further than that, I decided to, because I thought it would be an honor, I decided to get commissioned as an officer, because I feel like it would make me proud, it would make my family proud, and, and uh, nothing was ever given to me. So all through the process is kind of how I described myself. And it, it was a good experience, man, like going through the headhunters because I actually got a chance to, uh, you know, like I said, sit across and, and get some really critical advice on how to find my next career. But unfortunately, man, like, you know, out of the four opportunities that were on the table, by the time it was all said and done, I just had the one. So it was either go unemployment or take that job. And that first job that I had, I was only there for like a year. So I think they say over 50% of veterans that, that transition out, uh, over 50% only spend, you know, after that first year, they end up quitting. And so I was 
I was part of that, uh, that stat, you know, and, uh, out of seven officers, I think six of us left after that first year, just because it wasn't a good fit. You know, it was a good company. It was just, I think it wasn't really what a lot of us were looking for. Okay. So KP, that kind of leads to my next question is, you know, uh, so you were there for only a year. Uh, what was, what was next for you? Did you have another opportunity that was lined up or like, did you have to move and go to another place to find that next uh, opportunity? Yeah, I was really fortunate um, because I had some friends that were also that had um, that had connections with other jobs. So I was able to find, uh, you know, additional employment afterwards. Um, and then over the years, like I finished up my MBA in project management. So I've been able to, to kind of jump around and, and find some good terms of employment. I actually worked for the government for a little bit. And uh and that, and that was a really good opportunity as well, um, because you actually sort of, you sort of get that camaraderie again uh, when you work for like the, uh, like the government, for example, like whether it be city, state or federal, whatever, because uh, a lot of folks that were in there were also prior military as well. Um, when I worked for Rolls-Royce, there was just a seven of us that got hired in at the same time, all military officers. And then that was it. Like everyone else was either Notre Dame graduates, Purdue graduates, Indiana University graduates. And so they had their own little culture in themselves. So I was very fortunate afterwards because I did find employment where I was able to gain some of the camaraderie that I had when I was in the military. And I had an, uh, employers that really understood the military culture. How was, um, you know, we mentioned after you got out, you got that job in Indiana, but how was your overall transition out of the military? And how did that, how did, the, um, how did you end up where you are today? So my overall transition out of the military was, it was rather rough, but I felt like back in 2007, you know, we didn't have the, the internet that we have today. And I've said this a number of times in 2007, the sexiest thing on the internet was MySpace. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and now and we, we still have MySpace, you know, MySpace, I always uh, describe MySpace as being kind of like that, that drunk uncle that lives at the end of the lake there. Like, you know, he's still there, you know, he's doing okay. But every now and then you got to check in on him, you know, and, and you know, my, MySpace was kind of the beginning of it all. You know, now we have LinkedIn, we have Facebook, we have all these different ways to connect with folks. Um, so I would say this though, the one thing that hasn't changed about career transition is people getting in their own way. And I really feel like I got in my own way because I was offered opportunities to get help. I was offered, uh, while I was at Schofield Barracks, I was offered to sit in front of folks who could critique my overall skills when it came to interviewing when it came to writing out my resume and I decided not to do it because I felt like I was smarter than that and I could just do it on my own and I decided to go go at it on my own and I really wish I could go back and accept like all the help that was offered to me right there on base um but I find today that many times when I you know start digging into folks's uh, resumes or how much they really know about the interview process how much they really understand like culture because culture is really important that I think is overlooked a lot of times. Definitely. If you're going to, if you're going to a company that, you know, um, has a certain type of culture and that's not something that really resonates with you, you need to know that beforehand, before going in there. 
And, you know, I was talking to um, a, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine and I was explaining, you know, how I was describing myself to a lot of these recruiters. I was like, yeah, I was describing myself as a fighter, you know, as a, someone who would get in there and get dirty. And, and then they brought up a very good point. They were like, well, did you even look at the, the culture of the, uh, of the company? Like maybe that didn't speak well to what you were applying for. Yeah. You know, I didn't think about that, but maybe I Maybe I, maybe I didn't rub people the right way, or maybe I came across as someone that, that they couldn't see themselves working with because I was so rugged and rough. Um, you know, and I, I, I would say that overall that my transition was tougher than, than it should have been. I really wish I would have taken my time and not been fearful of unemployment, you know, cause once you get paid, I was getting paid as, as an O3, the thought of getting paid $0 um, and the thought of like going in unemployment was scary to me, but looking back, man, I mean, I could have probably taken some time and just moved home for a little bit and I'm taking a deep breath and found the right, the right fit for me. And I didn't do that. You know, I just took whatever the hell I could take. And then I end up, you know, uh, quitting that job after the first year. So I would say that, that it was, it was rough, but it was a lot of, it was on my own, on my own terms. I, I, I kind of created that myself. So, so after that, like, where did the idea, I want to talk about the podcast a little bit, where did the idea of, you know, the morning formation podcast come about? Uh, how did, you know, how did that um, come about of you creating the podcast? So that's a great question. Like, so the podcast itself has been something that I've wanted to do for a number of years. Uh, early on, after I got out, I still managed to sort of mentor and provide advice for some of the folks that worked for me while I was in uniform. The podcast and uh, the YouTube that I just set up not too long ago, um, it's born from the, from the concept of the, the pain points that I dealt with when I, when I myself did my own career transition. And just because I'm not wearing the uniform anymore doesn't mean that I don't still, that, that I still can't serve. Um, so to me, you know, I, people have different, different levels of, of support. People have different levels of being part of the solution. Right. And I'll give you an example. Like recently I was talking to a buddy of mine and he was talking about how there was a local sheriff's deputy that was killed and he happened to be a Marine. And so this guy went to his GoFundMe page. He dropped 50 bucks for the family. In my opinion, honestly, that helps. But what really helps our military community is when you do things like, like what I'm doing, like where you create a podcast where you're providing information that's valuable to our community. Uh, it can help someone level themselves up. It can help themselves like, you know, get a better career situation than they would without it being there. So I want to provide long-term lifetime help not just the quick, like, here's 50 bucks, and then I'm going to go to sleep like a baby tonight. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you know, we, it, it kind of all boils down to, we always talk about, you know, 22 a day, right? And I, I personally feel like some of that is part of the transition process. You know, if you're able to get the ideal job 
and your ideal location, the ideal position, ideal salary, the whole nine yards, I think that helps a little bit when it comes to palleting that transition from going from the uniform to civilians, to civilian uh, wardrobe. And, you know, if whatever I can do to try to help our community um, avoid some of the pitfalls that I did, um, you know, because I, I end up getting divorced uh, after my, you know, after after I got out of the military. Um, and that that was really rough. That was a really low point in my life. Um, you know, everything from broken relationships to, you know, broken goals, all that, all that stuff that, that we deal with when we get out. You know, I really thought, I really thought, Raiden, that when I got out, I thought that being an army captain, uh, having been in combat, I thought graduate's degree, I thought all that stuff was basically going to set me up. Like I didn't have to do anything. I could just show up and like, I would get offered jobs and that yeah. just wasn't the case, man. Like it was, it was tougher than that. Like I was competing with kids that went to Notre Dame and were part of like prestigious fraternities, you know what I mean? And I, I was like a little bit irritated by that because I'm like thinking to myself, I served my country. Like I went to war. Um, is that not enough for you? Or should I have gone to Indiana university and been part of this fraternity and done, you know, keg stands, whatever they do over there. Like it was just frustrating me, man. Like, yeah. uh, you know, and, that, and that, that's really why I started, started the podcast. Want to support an active duty owned brand? Head over to fortis-fidelis.com. Again, that's fortis-fidelis.com. And help us in honoring the brave and faithful service of our nation's defenders. All proceeds will help us create and provide memorial coins to the families of our fallen service members. Again, that's fortis-fidelis.com. And help Fortis at Fidelis in honoring the brave and faithful. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, to your point, right, like monetary, uh, you know, all that's great, uh, providing that for family members or whatnot. But I think, you know, with what you're doing with the podcast and the information that you're putting out, it's 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 out there for yeah. however, however long you want to, put it out there right for it's 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 there for everybody to you know they can pick and choose what episode who they want to listen to whoever guests you bring on right like all the information is out there and and it's available and it's free and um you know there's that saying a smart man learns from his mistakes a, a wise man learns from other people's mistakes and i think what you're what you're trying to do from what you from what you said is just basically uh have people learn from from your experience and 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 the things that you uh you went you went through during your transition yeah and i also want to add too like uh i just joined uh act now education i've been a team member of act now education for a while now and i just joined the board act now education is an organization that's founded and ran by veterans and we help bridge the gap between uh opportunities that are for our military community and the actual military community themselves. Because a lot of times these opportunities are available, but they're just not marketed. Um, and people just don't know about them. Like I talk to folks all the time, um, military veterans, and they're like, oh, we didn't know anything about DOL coach project management. We didn't know anything about Scrum. We didn't know anything about all these certifications through Coursera. Like, and that's that's the gap that I want to fill. And 
try to convince people, hey, invest in yourself, you know, go back, get your education, get the certifications. That way, when you come out and you have to compete against those, those guys that went to those prestigious colleges and were part of those fraternities and sororities, like you can actually compete and you can speak their language as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, P, you know, what's, I'm a podcaster, obviously we have podcasts. Um, what, you know, I, how, when did you start podcasting and what would you say has been kind of like the, you know, the obstacles that you had to overcome uh, during podcasting? That's a great question, man. Uh, well, I don't know about you, but for me, the obstacles that I overcame with podcasting was, um, the one thing that I want everyone to understand that is that anyone can go to Best Buy and purchase one of these microphones. All right. You can buy any type of level of quality out there, but you, nothing beats the experience. So for me, it was the technical side of things that really to this day still, still is uh, something that I'm growing, growing to learn, but also to finding my way and, and finding my tribe, finding my circle, finding my network. So I've met great people like yourself, Ryan from Vet with a Mic, Jay Salters from Acno Education, uh, the you know the, the guys from uh, uh, V2I. Uh, that's another organization that helps veterans. And Vet to uh, industry is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah best industry. You know, I was on Clubhouse, and there's so many great people that I was able to connect with. Uh, I used to run a room on Clubhouse on Friday nights, and it was called the uh, the Military Mix Up, and we had different topics that we would talk about and had so much, so much dialogue going on in there, man. And so much engagement in there. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's like a close first and second, man, when it came to the technical side of things was number one, toughest for me. And then number two was trying to find my own light, trying to figure out like, what is my style? Who am I? You know, how does this thing work? Um, yeah, I would say those two things are probably the toughest toughest parts of uh starting starting out with podcasting anyways because it's not easy to sit behind this mic man and listen to yourself you know <laughs> yeah it's uh i i think I, I agree with you man like it's finding your finding your community or your tribe right like um that's definitely one of the hardest uh, you know when i mean even now for me as well just you know who who is that that i'm trying to speak to or or uh, have uh, people listen to my podcast too. Um, it's still a struggle, but I think, I mean, to your point, the key thing is just if it's something that you're passionate about doing, um, you know, just just start it and you know, go with the go with the journey. Like go go uh, experience it, and if it's something that you later on don't want to do, then at least you can look back and be like, at least you tried. Yeah. You really, you really got to look in the mirror and ask yourself if this is something you want to do. Yeah. Cause I don't know about you, man, but I've spent a lot of nights late having to get up the next morning for work or doing something and, and working on editing, working on something. And it's just like, and you know, it, you live in a world, I don't know how it is for you, but for me, a lot of people don't understand it. Like, you know, guys are throwing back beers or they're doing this or doing that. And they're like, Hey, where are you at? And I'm like, yeah, I'm editing, doing nerd stuff. And they're like, well, well, get over here. What are you doing? You know, it's like, oh, no, man, like this is this is bigger than me. Like this is important, you know, and I, I want to really make a difference, you know. So when the rubber meets the road, man, um, you know, you got to look in the mirror and ask yourself, like, is this are you serious about this? And I don't know if you've had that experience, but I have, you know, and I think 
it's been over a year for me. I started last February. Um, so it, this, this right in the mid month is going to be a, a year. Yeah. And my, you know, j- just to get things cracking though, my, my first three episodes was with my dad. Okay. And I, and, and I did that because over the years I've lost so many family members. I had a real, I had a great uncle that served in World War II. And, um, I remember when I was a teenager, he'd sit at the, at the, uh, table there in his kitchen. He would just talk about World War II and teenager. I didn't really care all that much. Right. Um, he unfortunately passed away, uh, right after I went to my basic training and I was never able to hear those stories or appreciate them. Um, and so with my dad, he's 72 now. And, uh, I was able to sit down with him and have three good episodes for him to talk about his entire military career that I'll always have, Yeah, you know, so, and it, it was easy for me to break the ice with him, you know, uh, and just, just to get things started. And that's, that's be something great to look back on you know like, yeah um just it'll be there for life right like that, those we conversations know you know it's amazing man as early on you know that that whole three-part series was me talking about his journey his his transition transition into the military transition during the military and then transition out of the military and back then i wasn't 100 percent sure that that's what i wanted to do but it's kind of funny because I look back at that and that those three episodes was exactly what I'm doing right now, which I talk about career transition um, for our military community, you know, trying to, trying to ease the, the pain points of that. So, yeah. So KP, what's been, what would you say has been like the most rewarding experience you had since you started podcasting? I would say the most rewarding experience that I hear over and over again is the feedback that I get from people who say, Oh, I didn't know anything about that, or I hadn't heard of that before, or, you know, thank you for that information. Or there was something that this person said during your podcast that kind of, kind of spoke to me and I could identify with, I would say that that's probably the most rewarding, um, not single event, but the most rewarding events that I hear over and over again is when we're able to connect with people. You know, I live in, I live in, I live in Los Angeles and you would think that well, we have like 30, 30 million people here, something like that. Uh, we have a lot of people here, you know, yeah. and you would think that living in a city like this, connecting with folks with like mind, with like experiences, especially with the military uh, would be easy. And it's not easy, you know, just in my community, in my neighborhood, I only know of a couple of military veterans physically around me that I personally know. And I don't really know anyone unless I go to work or something like that. I don't really know anyone who served in Iraqi freedom or served in Afghanistan. So you would think living in such a large area with, you know, so, so populated that you would be able to, and and I I still feel alone, but, but when I'm talking to folks like you and I'm able to get on here and talk to like, you know, Ryan and some of the folks from ACNO education, man, I really feel at home. Like, I really feel like hey, these guys get me, you know? Yeah. Cause you're back in that, that brotherhood, the camaraderie, the community that you, you're a part of so long ago. So exactly, exactly. And so it's, it's great whenever I, I have an episode and someone gives me that feedback, like, Oh, such and such said this. And, you know, it kind of got a lump in my throat, kind of got me thinking about yeah. this or got me, you know, yeah. KP what's, if somebody is out there, um, wanting to start a podcast or have maybe they've started a podcast and they're still trying to find their um their voice or their community 
what actionable step would you provide for them right now? The best thing to do, the number one thing that you got to do is to get on LinkedIn, get on Instagram, get on Facebook, get on, um, use Veterati. Veterati yes, is a great, great one too. Yeah. And just, you know, I just linked up with, uh, someone last week who's starting out an organization to help veterans within their region to find employment and to also find, um, I want to, I want to say it's kind of like a Yelp for, uh, for veterans in certain States of certain regions. So they got with me last week and I, and, uh, they wanted to do a podcast. And when I started digging into their website, it looked like they were brand new. And so I was thinking, you know, you don't have a whole lot here. How about, you consider getting on Veterati, talk to this person, talk to that person. And today I just got feedback from them saying, oh, I spoke to these three people that you recommended to me and I'm on the right track now. I understand where I'm going. They told me critically what I needed to do. I feel a thousand times better than I did two weeks ago. So I would say the number one thing that you got to do is find a good mentor, find someone who you can bounce your ideas off of and get some good advice from. And Veterati is a, a great place to go for that. Yeah. And that's where I, that's, that's the direction I told them to go um, as well as I linked them up with several other people too, to help them out with, with their journey. So make sure that you connect with folks, make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons and you're being authentic about it because the military community is a hard community to crack. If you're faking the funk and you're not there for the right reasons, you're going to wash out. You know, because um, as it stands now, as a veteran, I'm very conscious about who I connect with. You know, I'm always I always feel like you go off base and you go to that used car lot and they're trying to sell you that, that they're trying to sell you that that lemon because they know how much money you make. Veterans are very guarded yeah. in that manner, man. Like very it's protective. not. Yeah. yeah, very protective, you know, so, um, you know, you, you have to come authentic and you have to come across as, you know, having a, a clear mission, a clear voice, um, and people have to trust you, you know, and being part of a circle and connecting with folks is really important. So make sure you start connecting with folks on LinkedIn um, and make sure you're authentic about it. Yeah, LinkedIn, I think not too many people know about Veterati. That's just a great, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's a great resource for, for veterans to to go to. Yeah. Um, all right. So KP, one question, one final question before we go to the second segment of the podcast, what's one thing you want our listeners and our viewers to take away from this episode? I would, I would say the number one thing that I want you to take away from, from this episode specifically is that understand that many times you can get in your own way when it comes to your career, your career transition. Don't ever think that your resume or your interviewing skills are good enough because at the end of the day, I'm here to tell you that it's when you get out of the military, it's it, it can be worst case scenario, a very dog eat dog world where you are going to be competing with folks that never served in the military. You might go to a company that, yeah, we want to hire military veterans, but we don't understand the culture of veterans. So the day that you go interview, you may be sitting, sitting across from a recruiter that never served before. If you go get those project management certifications, you go get scrum, you go get the certifications that speak civilian and you take what you did in the military, 
like DOL Coach, for example, is a really good example. They that's an organization that was created by veterans, by created created by a veteran. But what they do is they take your resume from the military and they lay their project management template over top of that. They 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 do like an hour interview where they talk about what are the things that you did in the military and how does it apply to project management. And they help you translate those skills from what you did in the military to civilian talk, project management. So I would say the number one thing you take away from this episode, man, is to definitely, definitely utilize, maximize all the resources that you possibly can. Connect with folks out there who can help you level up, folks that are looking to reach back and help help the community out. Um, you know, and 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 that's it. You know, try try to make your process less seamless and uh, help our community. You know, get better with each generation that goes by. Yeah, definitely. I mean. The most important thing is uh, to just ask, to just, you know, reach out. Um, I, I think like what you said, we kind of get in our own way mm-hmm. um, with, with that. It was like, we're too prideful or we, yeah. you know, we think we don't, we got everything under control because we spent so many years in the military and I've done so many things that they're just, it's, it's way different. I mean, I'm still at active duty, but I know for sure uh it's a going into once i leave it's a new environment um and I, i'm going to reach out to people like you right like people who are uh, have transitioned and just you know uh, learn as much as i can and hopefully um you know uh, go on from there yeah yeah definitely you i mean you're definitely doing the right thing and you're in the right space um to to kind of hear the stories and you know, avoid some of those pitfalls that, uh, that many of us have fallen into. Um, fortunately today you've got the internet and things are way more easier than they were Yeah, to connect with people. So, yeah. All right, KP. So this, uh, going into the second segment of the podcast, uh, it's called the fast five, same five questions I ask all my guests. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, brother. What's first question. What's one hobby you enjoy? The one hobby that I enjoy the most is Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Okay. How long have you been doing that? I did that for 11 years. Um, since the pandemic uh, hit, it slowed down quite a bit, but I get to train every so often. So I'm a three-stripe purple belt right now. Nice. Nice. Man. Yeah. I, I unfortunately had moved around so much that uh, I went from gym to gym. So I wasn't able to progress. A lot of the guys I started with is white belts. Uh, they're now black belts. Uh, so for me, it was kind of rough uh, moving around and jumping around to different gyms. There was no real continuity there, but for me, man, I just love it. I'm not looking to, I mean, I hate to say it, but I'm not looking for belts or anything like that. I'm just looking for the experience and, and uh, I, I enjoy doing it. So, Awesome. Uh, next, qu- next question. If you had to choose one person to hang out with for one day, who would it be and why? You know, what's interesting is I, I watched one of your other podcasts and I, this, this question here was really, really special to me. And I, I've thought about this beforehand. So the one person that I would spend a day with would be my dad my dad, I would spend a day with him, even though he, I mean, he's still around. Um, but, uh, I don't think, you know, I, in, in my mind, I know that someday he's not going to be here anymore, but Mm. throughout my whole life, he's been the number one person that has stood next to me my entire life and taken care of me. We've had some rough patches here and there, but at the end of the day, you know, he was my hero growing up. He was uh, a crazy, crazy ranger out there on East range where I pretty much grew up out there in Wahiwa, Hawaii. And um, he took me fishing, took me everywhere when I was when I was a kid, and 
you know, I, I can't, uh, I can't spend enough days with him before, you know, before it's too late. So he would be the one person I would spend a day with. And he's still in Hawaii. No, he actually lives in Ohio now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, KP, next question. Recommend a book for audience to read. Oh boy. So I lately I've lately I've purchased a lot of books um, and I'm trying to dig into them uh, one by one. I'm not a real big book reader. I would honestly say, man, the number one book that I would suggest for folks, and um, yeah, you know, it's still something that's going on today with with terrorism, is there's a book called A Thousand Years for Revenge. And it's written years for revenge. It's written by Peter Lance. Uh, it's a really, really great book because um, folks my age, and I'm 41 now, we were kind of born and, uh, and brought up through the years of the first World Trade Center bombing. Um, the first World Trade Center bombing involved the U-Haul truck in the parking garage underneath. Um, and we didn't quite understand like how that came about and didn't understand a, a lot of that until September 11th happened years later. Then we started focusing more on like the Taliban and focusing on... Uh, you know, the, the whole terrorism plot. The thing I like about that book is that it takes you back to the 1980s all the way through September 11th and explains to you the chain of events that led up to that and into the invasion of um, Afghanistan and Iraq. So I, I think it does a really good chronological job of explaining how things kind of festered into what happened on September 11th. And then you said the book was A Thousand Years for Revenge. By Peter Lance. Yep. Peter Lance. Okay. Uh, KP, next question. What's your favorite quote and why? Oh, man. Actually, I remember you asking this one, too. My favorite quote. I think my, I think my favorite quote is, um, you know, whenever we would, you know, when, when I was in, in the military, specifically when I was in, ROTC and I know it sounds kind of dumb, but we, we used to get up like three days a week. We were full-time college students, right? Get up three days a week, do PT at like 6 a.m. in the morning. You know, we're, we're trying to live a college life. We're full-time college students, part-time job. You know, at the time I was drilling National Guard and I was doing this ROTC crap. So I was juggling all this shit like while I was in college, right? And there'd be some mornings that like some of the younger cadets would not feel like doing it or whatever. So I'd have to try to find ways to motivate them. And one of the ways was I would just try to say these short little things like, Hey, nobody's working harder than you today. And, and uh, you know, things like that. And so I would say that that's the number one thing that I kept repeating. And I, and I tell people all the time that, but you know, now that I'm saying this, I think from an, from a standpoint of mental health and a standpoint of, um, beyond just motivating folks yeah. is my favorite quote is, and I don't know who said this, but the simple quote of this too shall pass. Um, whenever you're going through a rough patch in your life, you tell yourself, you know, this too shall pass. I mean, think about all the times when you've gone through a rough patch in life and you, it passes and you move on and great things happen. And now you're down in a, a low part of your life. So you have to remind yourself sometimes that, you know, this too shall pass. So I'd like to say maybe there's two things, you know, no one's working harder than you today. This too shall pass. Yeah, that's, that's a great message, man. Especially what you just mentioned with the mental health issues nowadays. It's just, you know, oh, yeah. good reminder is just this too shall pass. Yep. 
Uh, KP, last question. Where do you see yourself in a year, five years, or even 10 years from now? In a year from now, I hoped that I continue to grow the podcast to where I can uh, increase the, the listeners that I have. I hope to have more sponsorships, more affiliates um, in going into 2023. Um, five years from now, man, I, you know, I really would like to turn this into a nonprofit business um, and start offering merch just like you and Ryan are doing. Uh, I'm a little behind on that. So uh, it's, it's kind of hard when you're a one-man show, man, uh, to get all these different things together. So yeah, in the next five to 10 years, eventually I would like to just do this full time, you know, in 10 years, hopefully I can do this full time and just help other people create uh, podcasts as well. Um, I think that over the span of this last year, I've learned so much. I've been writing down all the things that I've learned. So I plan on making a video uh, of the top, like, you know, five to 10 things that I've learned uh, as a new podcaster hopefully to help other people avoid some of those pitfalls that, uh, that I had to deal with. Cause I, I spent a lot of money, spent a lot of time on things that I could have, that could have been avoided um, if I had more guidance. And so hopefully I can help someone else out. Well, I mean, KP, I, I was just listening to um, one of your podcasts earlier and, you know, the information you're putting out there um, is, you know, definitely helping our community uh, especially the veterans who are uh, benefiting from it. Um, you know, the people that you bring in, um, the value that they're providing. And uh, I just want to say thank you for, you know, for, for putting, um, putting that, those information out there for, for maybe the, the people, the veterans that might not know about it, right? You're, you're, you're kind of like that bridge that kind of helps, um, helps them find those information. And, uh, you know, appreciate you for that, man. No, thank you for having me on the show, man. I really appreciate you. And, and uh, hopefully, you know, we can uh, enhance people's lives and change people's lives. And that, you know, that's, I think that's why you're here. And that's why I'm here is uh, to help out our own community. Because as the as time goes on, you know, the population continues to grow, but there's very few of us that ever serve in the military. And yeah. I think once you get out, you'll understand what I'm talking about if you don't already. But Man, like sometimes, you know, when they say 5% to 8% ever serve, I mean, that's really true. It's uh, when you get out into the workforce, you'll see a lot of civilians out here and uh, that will not be able to understand what you're talking about. Um, so uh, I think that uh, if you can, you know, like I say, uh, tune in and uh, uh, stay tuned, stay focused and stay motivated. Um, that's the main punchline for my podcast, man, is to, you know, stay tuned and, and, uh, and connect with folks, you know, just like you and just like me, you know? Awesome, brother. So, uh, one final thing, where can our, where can our audience find your podcast? Where can they connect with you? Where can, where can they, uh, support you? Yeah. So you can go to www.themorningformation.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram, the underscore morning underscore, uh, formation underscore podcast on Instagram. You can connect with me on LinkedIn as well. But if you go to my website, you'll see all of the links for all the different social media platforms on there. So that's the morningformation.com. All right, everyone, make sure you go to the morningformation.com. Uh, go follow and support KP and his podcast, the morning formation podcast. And uh, just stay tuned and listen in to all the value that he's providing for our community. 
KP, brother, good talking to you, man. And uh, hopefully I'll hear from you soon. All right, man. Hey, thank you for the thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it, Raiden. All right, brother. Take care. All right, you too, man. Hey everyone, Raiden here. I just want to thank you for listening to our podcast. And make sure you guys go check out our website, fortist-fidelis.com. Again, that's fortis-fidelis.com and learn how you can help us support in providing these memorial coins to the families of the fallen. And make sure you guys go follow our social media on Facebook, FRTS, FDLS. Again, that's FRTS, FDLS. And on Instagram and Twitter at FRTS underscore FDLS. Again, that's FRTS underscore FDLS. And make sure you guys go subscribe, review, and leave a comment on our podcast on all the podcast platforms. Till then, take care.